Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, November the 25th, 2023. It is currently 10.57 a.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, every time I sit down in front of this microphone and I get ready to do a live broadcast, I have to ask myself, What is really motivating me to do this? Are my motives right or are my motives wrong? What is my motivation? So for today, we're going to talk about motivation. So let's start first with defining motivation. Then we're going to talk about motivation as it relates to podcasting, because this is kind of what sparked this entire you know, thought process, this this entire line of thinking all started from listening to kind of a, a bonus episode of some podcast I'd never heard of before as they kind of did like a little five-minute discussion about podcasting, I guess. And I and when it started making me think about motivation. So I'm gonna kind of start a defining motivation. Then we're gonna talk a little bit about motivation and podcasting. And then we're going to take all of that discussion and talk about you and me as far as being motivated as a Christian. What is the thing motivating you as a Christian? What is the number one motivator for you as a Christian in living out your Christian life, trying to do right versus doing wrong, trying to do this, spiritual growth, church, Bible reading, Bible memory, Bible study, what What is the thing that motivates you? Because I think sometimes maybe our motivations aren't the best, right? I mean, sometimes I think we can do the right thing for the wrong motivation. Maybe sometimes we can find ourselves maybe doing the good, a good thing for a wrong motivation. I, a lot of different things. So let's start with a definition I, I, and hopefully, and, and for full, full, full transparency. I, right now, I'm sitting in front of a microphone doing a theology podcast, but I don't even know if my motivation is really right today. See, there's kind of a hidden motivation having me right here in front of this microphone right now, right? There's kind of a, a wrong, probably a wrong motivation. Maybe, maybe I will explain that motivation as we move on, but let's start with a definition. So if you're taking notes today, write down the word motivation, and let's work on at least a... A, at least a, uh, hopefully an acceptable definition. Here is one. Motivation 
is an a, internal state. So motivation is an internal state that propels individuals to engage in a goal-directed behavior. So motivation is something that's internal and it propels, it drives you as an individual to engage in a goal-directed behavior. A goal-directed behavior. So I think mo- I think all of our behaviors in some way are goal-directed. You do them for a certain reason, a certain you want a certain outcome, you want a certain benefit. There's something you're trying to gain from it. It is often understood as a force that explains why people or animals initiate, continue, or terminate a certain behavior at a particular time. It is a complex phenomenon, and its precise definition is disputed. The the precise definition of motivation is disputed. We don't really understand everything about it because, I mean, you can just look at, just think about people's lives. You see some people who seem to have this very, like, almost otherworldly internal motivation. And you can even see it in sports. Well, everyone else just shows up at time for practice and then they're done when practice ends and they don't even much give much thought maybe about the sport or whatever. Others are there three, four hours before practice even begins. And when everyone else leaves for practice, they stay another two or three hours. They're motivated. They're driven. And what, what motivates them and drives them versus everyone else? You can see this in sports. You can see it in academics. Why do some people, they're just going to do the bare minimum. They're just going to possibly do their homework and pass the test. While others are like, they go above and beyond and they're digging in and they want understanding. You see it, I hate to say it, within Christianity. Some people seem to struggle just to, to just to read the Bible in a year. They can't even pull that off. You see, some people struggle to do even anything remotely consistent with Bible study. Some people never even bother to engage in Bible memory. Why are some people more motivated than others? What is this thing called motivation? What is it? What, what is the driving force? Now, sometimes within Christianity, we love to make everything this kind of a spiritual mystery, right? Okay, what motivates us is God working in us. Well, if it's God doing the motivation, then shouldn't all Christians have the same level of motivation? Or are you saying God can motivate, but then we come along and we're more motivated to go against the motivation that's motivated? I know we like to spiritualize it that, hey, if you're a Christian, you're going to be motivated to do this and motivated to do that. But not all Christians are motivated. So then this leads to say, well, if you don't have the motivation, then you're not a Christian because we love to find some way to explain why people don't do what we think they should do and we throw them out of the kingdom of God. That's a whole different issue. But what is our motivation? What is that internal driving force? What is it? And what is really your motivation as a Christian? Well, let's... We, let's go from the definition to let's listen to, a, this is like about a five minute clip. It's about five, yeah, five minutes and two seconds. We're going to, I'm just going to use it. I'm using it for my own purpose. Okay. Their purpose, I guess, was just to encourage their listeners or to encourage other podcasters. I don't know if I have a definitive, you know, what their thesis was, but whatever they were att- attempting to do, when I heard it, I just kept thinking, 
well, yeah, that could be a motivation to podcast. That could be a motivation to podcast. That could be a motivation to podcast. And I want to use that then to circle back around to us as Christians and trying to figure out what should motivate us as a Christian, right? Does I hope that does does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. All right. Are you ready to listen to this? Okay. I, I don't even know now. I don't even know what day I heard this, but I heard it. I saved it and I, I, I knew I was going to use it for something. I didn't know exactly for what. And I think this is this is the place to use it. So let's go to this audio and uh, let's let's see what they had to say. I think they did this probably. It was I don't know if they recorded it on Thanksgiving. I think they released it on Thanksgiving. And I think it was just a little like, well, you, you tell me what you think. They, you tell me what motivated them to do this. So we, can, we can connect it to motivation in a lot of different ways. What motivated them to do what they did? And are, I think they kind of mentioned things that you could use as what would motivate someone to do a podcast. Let's listen. Here we go. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? I want to say thank you so much for being here. I am Chris, and this is Podtastic Audio, the bonus edition episode. Now, on these very short bonus episodes, I deliver value directly to you, cutting out all the fluff, all the music, all the intros, all the sound effects. Get rid of all that nonsense, and we're going straight to the point to deliver value directly to you. Now, as I record this episode... Now, I'll stop right there. Think about this, and you may want to write these down. When it comes to podcasting, he is convinced, he is convinced that he is delivering value straight to his listeners, that he's delivering value so he could be motivated to do his podcast because he believes he's delivering value to the listeners. Now, when it comes to podcasting, you can be motivated sometimes based on your thinking, your feeling that what you are delivering is of great value to you. Now, I don't know if I could ever bring myself to turn on the microphone and go, hey, I, I am doing this today to deliver value directly to you. Because that would seem to indicate that I think that what I'm delivering is of great value. And sometimes I'm not even convinced that what I'm delivering to you is of great value, right? I Sometimes I'm not even so sure of that. But I guess if you have this really strong feeling, what I'm doing is valuable. The people are benefiting greatly from it. I, I, I hear pastors do this a lot. Um, sometimes pastors will like, oh, the, uh, the study we did three weeks ago, oh, that was amazing. It was life changing. It was an, a blessing. And they, and they really hype up what they did. And, and maybe that's what they need to stay motivated is that they convince themselves that every sermon, that every series is life changing. It's, it's beneficial. It's helpful that the people were so blessed. And he's on this podcast, like, I'm going to deliver value straight to you. So, so sometimes in podcasting, it can be the value you think you're delivering is what motivates you because you know that you're doing something of great significance. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the Christian life in a minute, but that's, that's, that's one possible motivation that's kind of hinted at there, right? right? I mean, well, I not even think that's hinted. That's just straight. I mean, he's being very direct. I'm delivering value to you. He thinks what he's doing is valuable. And he thinks what he's doing here is valuable. So valuable that he's delivering the value straight to the person, to the people listening. And he's not even going to do with, deal with all of that other stuff because what he has to say is the thing of the greatest value. All right. So here we go. Right now. 
It is Thanksgiving here in the United States of America. And I want to say I'm very thankful for you, the listener. I create this show for you directly. I don't get paid to do this. I don't try to do this to make myself seem bigger than I really am. I just try to help others that have asked me for advice on how to create an amazing sounding podcast. Okay, so his motivation to podcast is because he has received numerous questions, it seems, about how to produce a great sounding podcast. A great sounding podcast. Now, this is a side note. This is free. I am curious. As you hear the audio that I'm playing of his podcast, contrast it with the audio of this podcast. And you can tell me the the difference. Well, you can try to rate the difference. His podcast is at a 10 and sound quality. Yours is at a five. I would really like to know because because that, that that's one of the things that kind of caught my I'm like, well, OK, well, he's known he's the he's the guru of good sounding podcast. He knows the equipment you need. I would be curious how that compares to mine. I can't draw the comparison because I think I would be possibly biased, but you you can tell me. But his motivation, back to the motivation thing. All right, we'll set aside the side note. His motivation is very simple. He is motivated to do a podcast because he is seen as somewhat possessing possessing an expertise on good sounding podcasts. So he does the podcast to help others. There's another motivation, right? You can be motivated to podcast because you believe what you have is of great value. You can be motivated to do podcasting because you believe you're helping other people. You can. So these are motivations that are based on what you feel you can do that benefits other people. You benefiting other people, you helping other people. That can be a motivator. All right, that could be a motivator. Well, we'll get to the Christian life in, in a second, all right? So he feels motivated to help other people. All right, let's continue listening. And I was kind of thinking about this just the other day. I was like, you know what? I have almost every tool I could possibly want or need to create an amazing audio podcast or even an audio show of some kind. I've got all the tools. I've got the Roadcaster Pro. I've got Audio Hijack. I've got... Uh, great microphones and all that great stuff that I can create an amazing audio podcast. Now, it did not always start that way. Now, I know he did not intend it this way, but I'm going to say another motivation for podcasting is your investment, right? You can be motivated to continue podcasting because you've invested a lot of money because you have all of the equipment. You've got the microphone. You've got the computer. You've got the software. Now, he's got everything. He says there's not a tool. He does. he has every tool available to him to make the best sounding podcast. So obviously, once you have all of that equipment, I mean, there's going to be a, a, a never-ending motivation to continue on. So those that's another motivator, right? Another, another motive. So his motivation is because he feels like he's got great value to offer people. Another motivation is because he believes he, he can help people. Another motivation could be, well, because he's got all of this equipment. Obviously, you want to use it. Obviously, I mean, unless you're just going to sell it and, and hopefully, you know, capture the, the, uh, get back the same amount of money that you've invested. But I mean, when you see all of that equipment, you can be, sometimes you can be motivated to continue on. All right. Let, let's see if there's another motivation that's outlined here. 
we started off with basic gear, as you already know. And I kind of advanced uh, as I went along, thinking that, you know, this one tool I could get, which might make my creation process a lot easier. And I do know that sometimes, well, a lot of times, really, a lot of podcasters out there do realize that this takes a lot more work than it really has to be. And they are not satisfied with the results, whether it's stats or sponsorships or patrons or however you view success for your show. Okay, now this is interesting. Because now he's referring to, okay, so he's given maybe some motivators. Now, I know this is not, I, I know I'm completely taking what he did and using it for my own purpose. I understand that. But to me, this is the way I was thinking. He kind of gave some things that can motivate you. And then he, he kind of gave you the first thing that could discourage you. Right? You start podcasting, maybe because you believe you have something of great value. Maybe because you believe you're going to help people. Maybe because you have all the investment of all the equipment. All right. Then you start broadcasting and then and you start podcasting. You realize here's the first thing to discourage you. It's more difficult than you ever imagined it could be. All of a sudden you realize this is hard work. It's difficult. Hour after hour after hour after. Now you're now you have the first thing that comes against you. All right. So I, now, again, you, I think you can start seeing some parallels to the Christian life almost immediately. You've got these things that motivate you, but you do realize sometimes in the Christian life, there's a lot of things to discourage you and to, and to maybe hinder you, your motivation to do certain things. All right. So he, he's like, hey, people start realizing it's a lot of work. And then think, and there's another thing he mentioned there. How do you measure success? How do you measure success in podcasting? Now, how you measure success can have a profound impact on your motivation, right? Because if the way you measure success keeps showing you over and over and over that you fail, 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 there's only so many failures that you can experience before you say, I don't know if I'm motivated anymore. I mean, there's only a certain level of failure before you've got to say, this is not worth it anymore. So the, the amount of work can discourage you in podcasting and how you measure success can either be discouraging or it can be motivating. If you've got a certain level of success and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm reaching it. Well, then guess what? You're motivated to keep going. If your measure of success is a, a level that you cannot reach, then after a while, you're going to get discouraged. And finally, you're going to be like, this is not worth it. And you're going to possibly give up. That, that measure of success, it's difficult in podcasting. How do you measure success? And this, this immediately translates over to your Christian life. All of this is going to translate over to our discussion about the Christian life in some way. How do, you how do you measure success as a Christian? How do you measure it? What is your measuring tool, right? Now, if your tool to measure your success as a Christian is absolute obedience to God's law, well, then you're going to fail, 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 because you're not going to obey God's law because you cannot accomplish it. If your measure of success is what you are in Christ Jesus, then every day you're a success because every day you're holy, perfect, righteous because of what you are in Christ. But if you try to, is it, you try to measure about how much you've grown? Is it because of a certain sin? Because a lot of times, I think we measure success by our battle over one sin, right? Okay, I'm I'm beating that sin. Well, just beating that sin, I don't know, is that an accurate measure of success? 
I mean, it's great that you're beating that sin, but you may be committing 13 others. But sometimes we, we, we become fixated on one area. I've got to stop doing this one thing. Dun, 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 dun. I'm now, a, I'm a conqueror. Well, I mean, I mean, it's great that you beat that one. What about all the others? So how you measure success, I think, and I think with podcasting, it, it, yeah, it can be very discouraging. If you, if you measure success based off statistics, Okay, that 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 can definitely be discouraging. If you may, if you measure success by the number of positive emails versus the number of negative emails, that can be very discouraging. If you measure success based off the amount of money, hopefully you're bringing in to even cover the cost, that can be very discouraging. So there's a lot of different things that can discourage. Right? Let, let's continue. Just today, just this morning, I saw another indie podcaster decide to close up shop and they put a note out saying we are officially done. We are going to call the show as it is. It's over after this last episode. We are done. Now, congratulations for going this far. And also, congratulations for actually saying to your audience, to everybody saying, hey, this is our last episode. It's going to be over. After this last show, a lot of shows, they just fall to the wayside and pod fade. Usually after seven, 10, or even a couple years, like in this particular case, I know it's been very hard lately for us to continue the Chris and Christine show. Not saying we're pod fading that show. I'm just saying that it's been very difficult to get both of us to agree on the same page of when or how we should podcast. When one of your multiple co-hosts just doesn't feel like it anymore, or perhaps maybe they are extremely busy, they do not have the time or energy to sit down and record a podcast episode. And I get it. We all live in a much busier world than we did, say, come 2020, when a lot of people were supposed to be locked down for the quote-unquote quarantine And they were bored and they had nothing to do. And they had all this availability of time and energy that they could dedicate to creating a podcast. And I know as we get busier, we have busier things. Maybe podcasting is not for you. Maybe you're more interested in those movies on the Marvel uh, Network or the Disney Plus or the Hulu or the Netflix. Maybe you're more interested in going out and playing golf Or maybe your thing is something else other than podcasting. I think you really, like really, really have to enjoy podcasting on another level to keep it going year after year after year. Now, some incentives could be you're actually making some money from your podcast. Okay, now this is where he really gets into kind of motivation. He's talking about how, uh, you know, some podcasts just go away, pod fade. They just disappear. That happens every single day. I mean, you consider how many millions of podcasts, many of them, they just stop broadcasting. They don't announce that their podcast is is ending. They just get frustrated and they just say like that. They're done. They're done. They're done. They just, they just give up and they just move on because it's difficult or you realize you're not as motivated to do it as you thought you were. I, I get because you become, and he talked about sometimes what happens is you're motivated, but then there are other things 
then maybe you're more motivated too. And I think once again, this, this correlates to the Christian life. You can be motivated to live out your Christian life, but sometimes you, if you're even remotely honest, other things are more of a driving force. They motivate you. They energize you. They, they please you better. And, and, and I know we don't want to say that, but what, again, what is the motivator? If your motivation as a podcaster, I mean, sometimes you can lose that motivation. It can go away. And then he starts talking about sometimes motivation is financial. Sometimes as a podcaster, yeah, when you work hour after hour after hour after hour after hour after hour and you don't even make a dime, yeah, sometimes that, that can be a demotivator. Or if you, if you make a little bit of money, that can be a motivator. It, it's, it's, it's the, the all, there's all motivation is a complex thing. And I'm using this to get us to the discussion about your Christian life and my Christian life. All right. So he's almost done. Let's let him finish this up and then we can immediately transition and you'll see how this all fits together. Now, when I say some money, it could be, you know, a few dollars, it could be a few hundred dollars, whatever it is. There's got to be some motivation for you to keep podcasting. And for me, I appreciate the listener feedback. I love every one of you guys that write in and tell me what a great episode it was or what a great episode it could have been if we did it this way. I appreciate all the advice, and I want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And I do the show exclusively for you and nobody else. And if you have any questions or any comments or concerns or anything, you always can write me at podtasticaudio.com. There's links to everything right there on my website. I'll put a link to it in the show notes of this very episode. And you have a very wonderful holiday and happy podcasting to you. Now, that was his entire episode. I don't know if I can clearly articulate what his main thesis was. I don't know if I can clearly articulate that. It really doesn't matter if I can. But for me, I used it like motivation. He, he literally talked about the word motive, what motivates, what motivates. And he says one of the things that motivates him is his feedback. Well, that's oh so true. When you get it, when you get an email that says, Hey, that was awesome or this was awesome or this was awesome. You're immediately more motivated to want to turn on the microphone and do it again. If you get an email going, you're trash, your podcast is trash. It sounds like trash. You didn't pronounce this correctly. You're an idiot. I don't know what you're talking about. You're dumb. Your theology is stupid. You're in a, well, then at some point you're like, okay, well, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to email me and tell me that I'm an idiot, stupid, dumb, foolish, when all you literally had to do was turn off the episode and just move on because there's a million podcasts. But thank you for your dedication to let me know how wrong I was. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, man, okay, thank you. So uh, that, yeah, that's a demotivator. When you look on the Apple podcasting app and you realize someone has given you one stars, okay, that's a demotivator. You're like, oh man, okay, that's not good. Or you get a you get an uh, you get a message from certain podcasting platforms going, hey, someone uh, someone posted a a review or, or posted a comment, and we don't know if this is if this is acceptable. So we are thinking about deleting it. What do you want us to do? And you read it, and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. 
Well, yeah, I don't know if I want that posted. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe we maybe we should just leave that off the site because that I, I, yeah, just give me a couple of minutes. I need to get myself together because I didn't know someone could have that much hatred over over law and gospel or whatever the case may be. So those are all motivators. Now that's just the podcasting world. Now I want you to forget about podcasting, and I want you to think about your Christian life. What motivates you? Here's what I want you. This is just an exercise, right? I would love for you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write down the five things that motivate you the most to live out your Christian life, Bible study, Bible memory, church, all of these things. What are the five strongest motivators for you as a Christian And what are the five greatest discouragers in the Christian life? What are the things that discourage you or demotivate you? They they destroy your motivation. What are the things, five things that motivate and what are five things that discourage you? What are the five? What are the five? Five things that say that propels you and five things that said just like stop, give up, go away, go home. You're done. You're done. What, what are the five? What are the five? What are the five? And, and it's interesting. I, I, I could I could start listing out my five of each, but I really want you to do that. And I want you to consider, I, I was as I was just thinking about motivation, I came across an article. Now, I'm going to go through this relatively quick. We may circle back to this in some future episodes, depending on this is one of those situations where maybe I'm more motivated to talk about motivation than you are, and maybe you're not that motivated about it. But I, I know we have a new year in front of us, and we're going to, once again, how 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 motivated are we going to be in 2024 to live out our Christian life? And what are the, going to be the things that are going to discourage us in, Christ, in uh, living out our Christian life? But here is an article. It's entitled, What Motivates You as a Christian? I do not have a clue when this was published. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, but um, it, I think I find it somewhat interesting. So let's see what we can do. You ready? Let's, let's work on this. Here we go. One morning. After church, a 325-pound man in his mid-20s told his minister, I'm so depressed and I can't get any dates. I've tried everything to lose weight, but just can't seem to succeed. I believe I can help you, said the minister. Be dressed and ready to go tomorrow at 8 a.m. M. Sharp. The next morning, a beautiful woman in an attractive exercise outfit knocked on the man's door. If you can catch me, you can have me, she said, as she took off. He huffed and puffed while chasing after her to no avail. This same routine continued every day for the next six months. The man actually lost 120 pounds and was confident that he would catch the woman the very next day. That morning, he swung open his front door and found a 300-pound lady in a jogging suit waiting for him. The preacher said to tell you, she began, that if I can catch you, I can have you. And the chase began. Now, a version of this story 
uh, was was found in an, an old issue of Reader's Digest is where that story came from. Now, that talks about motivation. I can't, I'm not motivated. I can't do it. All you needed to do was find the right motivation and then, boom, you lose you know, how many pounds did he, 120 pounds. You just needed the right motivation. Now you may talk the story is foolish. You may think it's dumb. It's trying to get the point is that the right, the wrong motivation or no motivation, nothing happens. The right motivation, something dramatic transpires. Something dramatic occurs. So is the possible problem sometimes in our Christian life is we have the wrong motivation we have no motivation? This article continues. What motivates you in life? What motivates you in your Christian life? From the field of psychology, we can learn about several theories of motivation. At the simplistic level, it's apparent that people do things such as as go to work in order to get rewards. They want positive reinforcement. Or or let me read it this way. At the simplistic level, it's apparent that people uh, do things such as go to work in order to get rewards they want. This is known as positive reinforcement. Right? They do things in order to get, to get the rewards they want. This is what they want. They have a certain reward. Therefore, they do it in order to get that reward. Now, you could argue that's a very selfish motivation, right? So l- let's just apply this now and, and, and to some sermons. Some sermons use this kind of theory in order to motivate you to live out your Christian life. When when you stand before God, don't you want him to tell you good and faithful servant? Don't you want to receive the rewards? Don't you want to receive a crown? Don't you want to know that he is pleased with you? That's positive supposed reinforcement. Hey, hey, here are the rewards you want. Now, they, they, the, the, their, whole, their whole thesis is you can please God based on what you do. He'll say good and faithful servant only if you've been a good and faithful servant in your practice. Now, that's a positive kind of reinforcement. Now, the thing is, is it, am I, am I being motivated? Is that a God-directed motivation or is it a self-directed motivation? What, what is, what, what, how, how do we understand that? But this is known as positive reinforcement. And avoid punishment and various negative consequences. Ironically, what's termed negative reinforcement actually refers to the removal of undesirable circumstances. All right. So there's this idea that you want the positive and you want to avoid the negative. You want to avoid the negative consequences. So this refers to the removal of, that's negative reinforcement, and it refers to the removal of undesirable circumstances. So you're either uh, positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, right? That, that's, that's the concept. That's the idea. Well, what, what is, so, so that's how it works in psychology. This is only one theory. There's only one theory. And, and you can see maybe how that works, right? Are you motivated to live out the Christian life because, well, you, you don't want to face chastisement. You don't want to face church discipline. You don't want to face public shame and humiliation. You don't want to f- experience guilt. 
You you want to, in a sense, remove the undesirable circumstances. This concept is taken from the theory of operant conditioning as proposed by psychologist B.F. Skinner. All right. So, but these are some psychological understandings of this motivation, but the same kind of motivating concepts show up within Christianity. What is motivating you? Is it, is it to get reward or is it to remove undesirable circumstances? Which, which one, which one do you feel is the greatest motivator in your Christian life? People in general seem to have some common needs. We know this is Maslow's hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs perhaps is the most well-known model beginning at the bottom of the triangle with psychological needs, the psychological or physiological needs, I apologize, the physiological needs, which are food, water, and I'll just, I'll just say it, sex, because that's how it's listed here, food, water, sex, that's physiological needs, and moving up to safety, then belongingness, then esteem, and finally self-actualization. According to Maslow, lower needs must be fulfilled before higher ones are activated. So Maslow says, hey, here's this. He's got his hierarchy of needs. You start down at the very bottom, the physiological ones. This is food. This is, in fact, let me make sure I name the ones he gives. Food, water, and sex. And you've got you've to have those be met. If those are not being met, well, then the other ones will not be activated. And so then it'll be a problem. Now, those are needs. Now, sometimes to get those needs, motivation sometimes is directly related to these needs. And if you don't get certain needs met, you will not have uh, then motivation to go after the higher ones. That seems to be somewhat of the theory. He goes on to say, um, another theory is called acquired needs theory. It suggests some needs are acquired as a result of life experience. Need for achievement, accomplish something difficult. Need for affiliation, close relationships. Need for power, control others. That's the acquired needs theory, right? So you you acquire these as a result of living your life, right? You need that sense of achievement. You need that sense of achievement. So... You need that sense of achievement, so you accomplish something different. You have this need for affiliation, you try to develop close relationships. You have this need for power, you will attempt to control others. So, another theory. Another theory is the cognitive evaluation theory. The cognitive evaluation theory. It proposes that there are actually two motivation systems and types of motivators. Intrinsic, internally driven, versus extrinsic, externally controlled. So there are two motivation systems, two motivators, the internal and the external. The internal, which is driven, external, which is controlled. One or the other of these may be a more powerful motivator to give uh, to get uh, for a given individual. Some of you are more motivated by an internal motivation. Some of you are much more uh, motivated by something external, internal or external. You can see, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Some people, if they want to get in shape, if they want to lose weight, get in shape, that they have some kind of physical goal. 
and they're motivated. Some people are motivated internally. They don't need anyone. They don't need anything. They just, they, they will get up. They will, they will discipline themselves. They will get it done. And other people need much more an external. They need, they need someone to motivate them. They need someone to hold them accountable. They need praise. They need to meet goals. That's why some people will post everything they do on social media. Ran two miles because they want that affirmation. Yes, you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Oh, that's so awesome. And they get motivated. by. Some people don't need anyone else to know that they're internally, externally. I think sometimes in the Christian life, the same thing shows up, right? Some people are internally driven to live out their Christian life. Some people need, they need, they need other people. They, they, they need, they need something else. Um, on the other, uh, one, okay, I see. Uh, here's another, another theory. It's called the Victor Vroom's expectancy theory. These are all the different theories. What, what, this, what this demonstrates is that even within psychology, they've been trying to figure out motivation and there's so many theories and trying to accommodate, trying to figure this out. All right. So the uh, Victor Vroom's expectancy theory attempted also to bring together many of the elements of the previous theories. Basically, it boils boils down to the following equation, M equals EIV, M equals EIV, or motivation equals expectancy times instrumentality times valence. All right. So let me go through that again. Now, and we're going to break what these uh, what these are referencing. But basically, this room's expectancy theory attempted to bring together many of the elements of the previous theories. Basically, it boils down to the following equation: M equals E I V, or motivation equals expectancy times instrumentality times valence. What in the world is all of that? Well, motivation is the amount a person will be motivated by the situation in which they find themselves. Right. So motivation is the amount a person will be motivated by the situations in which you find yourself. E is expectancy, the person's perception that effort will result in performance. So you have your motivation. This is the amount you're going to be motivated by a situation. E is expectancy, the person's perception that effort will result in performance. Hey, if I put forth this much effort, this is the performance I will get. Instrumentality is the person's perception that performance will be rewarded or punished, either intrinsically or extrinsically. So this is instrumentality is your perception that, hey, if I perform like this, I'm going to get a reward. I'm going to be rewarded. But if I do, if I perform like this, I'm going to be punished, whether that reward or punishment comes from internally or an external source. This this will this adds to the whole motivating factor. Valence is the perceived strength of the reward or punishment that will result from the performance. In other words, is something really worth the effort? This is where you start thinking, is it really worth the effort? Now, in your Christian life, you may not have these theories Outlined, you may not even know these theories exist, but a lot of these things are playing out in your own mind and what's motivating you in the Christian life. I mean, we're fast approaching the end of 2023. Come on, look back over the year. Come on. How much scripture did you read? How many Bible studies did you do? How faithful were you in church? What are some other things you did? How, how, how many people did you minister to? Did you evangelize anyone? 
Did you, did you seek first the kingdom of God? Did you set your affections on things above? Now, you know, we all know that in some of those areas, as soon as we compare our life to those concepts, we're going to realize we fell short. We fell short. The question is, what was motivating you to even attempt it in the first place? What was the thing that discouraged you? And what led, what, where, how did that all play out for you? So now they're going to now, they're going to, after all of those theories, after all of those theories, they now transition into a discussion about Christianity. So why do people go to church and participate in various church activities? There are a lot of different reasons. Some of them are good and legitimate and others not. Let me suggest some unhealthy and healthy reasons. So now they're going to take, okay, you take all of these theories on motivation. You take all of these theories on motivation and you look at people's lives within Christianity, within the church, and you see a lot of people being motivated for a lot of wrong reasons. Here's some of the reasons they gave. Here's some of the unhealthy reasons to basically punch your spiritual clock. And simply go through the motions. It's just like, this is what's expected. This is what I do. Get up. Time to make the donuts kind of thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Just because it's kind of just like it's what you're supposed to do. You're just kind of, you're, you're clocking in and you're clocking out. That, that's not really a, a healthy reason. To appease your family or spouse. This happens to a lot of kids raised in the church. They go through the spiritual things simply to appease people. When your spiritual, when your spiritual motivation is appeasement, you've got to appease the pastor. Are they going to be calling asking you why you are in a church? You have to appease this person because they're going to be knocking on your door. You are, when it becomes appeasement to just make other people happy, sooner or later, you're going to get very frustrated because you're like, why am I doing all of this stuff to make everyone else happy? The appeasement rarely lasts. To try to make yourself look good or look better in other people's eyes. When you, when your spiritual motivation has to do with what other people think, what will they say? When it starts worrying about what other people think, yeah, um, that's a wrong, that's not a good motivation. To be entertained or physically fed. Some people go to church and do spiritual things simply because of the fun and the, the excitement. Like a lot of kids, a lot of parents want to find a church where their kids love church. And they usually pick the church that their kids love <laughs> because the kids are entertained <laughs> or fed. And, and they, they, but they're like, well, at least my kid loves church. No, your kid loves the, the, <laughs> the entertainment. Now that's okay. That's fine. Just be, don't, don't convince yourself it's something spiritual. And a lot of people love their church and it has nothing to do with the sermon, nothing to do with God. It's because they got friends and they feel comfortable and they like that. Well, that has nothing to do with, that has nothing to do with Christianity. And that's okay. Just acknowledge it. If you just acknowledge it, at least you're being honest about your motivation. To use church as business connections for selfish gain. In other words, a lot of people can go to church. A lot of people can do spiritual things for a lot of wrong reasons. Here's some healthy reasons they give. Here's some healthy reasons they give. To grow in your faith and knowledge of the Bible. 
to grow in your faith and knowledge of the Bible. That's a good motivator. To demonstrate love and loyalty to Christ. To set a good example and encourage others. Okay, maybe. Still got to be careful because if you're not careful, you'll fall into the trap of you're just doing it for other people. To combat guilt and the fear of eternal punishment. Now, see, I'm not so sure about that being a good motivator. If you're doing things simply to avoid a fear of eternal punishment, I think you've got the entire gospel wrong. Your The removal of the fear of eternal punishment has nothing to do with what you do, has everything to do with what Christ did. So right there, even though here's another a Christian article that almost falls back into a very legalistic works-based idea, that, you, that it's a good thing to be motivated so that you don't feel guilt or, etern- or, the, or fear of eternal punishment. I, I'm not, I don't know, I, I know I disagree with that. To seek spiritual fellowship and offset loneliness. See, I this this is a common theme I'm seeing in churches more and more and more. You should be motivated to go to church. You should be motivated because you don't want to live your life alone. Don't live life alone. Don't do life alone. I remember I talked about how that's a marketing campaign for here in Abilene, Texas, at a big church that they that they got billboards all over the city. Don't do life alone. Come to our church. You don't need. Well, I don't think offsetting loneliness should be the thing that motivates us spiritually. And when you say seek spiritual fellowship, that Christians love to turn everything, we call it fellowship, and we make it sound spiritual. When all you want to do is you want to hang out with people and have some fun because you desperately need human companionship. You desperately need friends. You desperately need fun and activity. Well, didn't just say that. Why? See, sometimes I think when it comes to motivation, we can't even be honest with ourselves. Christians love to spiritualize what we do so that we act like we're doing something very spiritual when we're just like the people across the street getting together, watching football and having fun. We're just, we're just doing the same thing. And to prepare yourself for heaven, I don't know if that's a good motivator. So all of these good motivations, I don't know how good of motivations they are. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. what. So what should be our motivator? What should be the motivator? Now, they, they, they have a scripture here. They have a scripture here. They have 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't know how well this is going to work. We'll look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because I don't know if they're, they're good motivations. They are very good motivators. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 21. All right. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 6. This looks like an interesting passage to use. It says, for we walk by faith, uh, I'm, I'm, let's go to verse six. First, uh, second Corinthians chapter five, verse six. I apologize. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us uh, the earnest of the spirit. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are uh, absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. 
right now, they, they, they're looking at this from some of the levels of dealing with motivation. Now, does that mean we should be motiv- motivated? Then if we walk by faith and not by sight, we, our motivation must come from what we cannot see. Our motivation must be driven by something that is not material, that is not fleshly, that, that, that it must be our motivation is because we see something by faith that should motivate us. And it says, whether we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, do we labor to be accepted by him or do we labor in a way that we want what we do to be accepted by him? Because we are acceptable in him in Christ. We, we are acceptable because of Christ. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that uh, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, is is standing before God in some kind of judgment? Now, this gets into a whole discussion about judgments, right? Is there one judgment? Is there multiple judgments? And if, if a believer is going to stand before God in some kind of judgment, what is going to be judged is, is the pr- prospect of some eternal judgment. Whatever is going to be judged, is that a motivating prospect? Now, we can't see that judgment. So is this a sense of walking by faith? I know one day I'm going to have to stand before God. Is that a motivator? Verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. The, the terror of God. Is that a motivating factor? The terror of God? What does it mean? How is, how is, is that a motivating factor there? For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we all then we then were all dead. But notice the love of Christ constraineth us. Are you motivated by the the love of Christ? Is that the is that the greatest motivator? Is the Christian life is the greatest is the greatest motivator? The love of Christ is that what motivates you and compels you forward? But there's a number of things mentioned here, right? And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, which rose again. Is the fact that Christ died for you motivation that you stop living for yourself? Are you motivated by the love of Christ and the death of Christ that you love him and you no longer live for you? Verse 16, wherefore, thenceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, again, that, that promise is not to us. That's not a practical truth. We know it's not a practical truth, right? Practically, we're not a new creature because we still have a sinful nature. Positionally. So then, is this a hint that we should be motivated by what we are, as our positional standing should motivate us practically. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation 
to wit, that God was in Christ, re- reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Are we motivated because Christ has given us a ministry? As a Christian, you, you're a minister, whether you want to admit it or not. You're called to a ministry. Now, there, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That, that, that's the passage they offer. They don't do any explanation of it. They just kind of throw this out. They, they do say this. Uh, in 2 Corinthians of chapter 5, 6 through 21, Paul discusses what drives his relationship with the Lord and the church. Paul is both intrinsically and extrinsically motivated as he walks by faith, not by sight. However, to me, the heart of the message is found in verses 14 through 15 when he says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then they just simply end with this question. So what motivates you in your Christianity? Is it because God loved you first? Now, they, they don't offer any, they don't offer anything. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to write down the five things that motivate you the most to live out your Christian life. I want you to write down the five things that discourages you the most, that destroys that motivation, that actually unmotivates you, demotivates you. It actually pulls you down. Then I would like for you to find five scriptures, five scriptures that you think really speak to what should motivate us. Five scriptures that you think that right there, those are the scriptures that should motivate me. Those are the scriptures that should motivate me and propel me forward in my Christian life in 2024. Five. I want us to come up with the best five. Now, I don't know how many people will participate, right? I don't know. But we need to find the right motivation. Because I think there's too many times we're driven by wrong motivation, which ultimately leads to discouragement, depression, and I think in many cases, deconstruction. We need the right motivation. We need to be, we need the right motivation and do the right thing. Sometimes you can do the wrong, you can have the wrong motivation to do the right thing, but the motivation is still wrong. So we need right motivation and right action. Five, I want us to come up with the five scriptures that we think are the best that speak of being motivated. Things that should, should propel us forward. That are right motivations, not incorrect motivations, not taking scripture out of context. What motivates you forward as a Christian? Yeah, that's a wrapper sitting here on my desk. Now, my motivation for doing this podcast, let's end with that. Sometimes, because of my seizure disorder and neurological issues, I get mad about them. I get irritated with them. 
because I'm like, how dare this seizure or this, these, these neurological issues, whatever the case may be, how dare they stop me from broadcasting? So I have a tendency sometimes to get mad if I, if I'm having a, a major headache, it can, it can be anything small. It can be something major, but I, I sometimes like, nope, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to control me. You're not going to stop me. I'm going to go broadcast just because, well, I probably shouldn't. I'm going to go. I, I, many cases will sit in front of a microphone when I'm not feeling probably the way I should feel to broadcast simply to prove that I can. Now that's not really a good motivator for a theological podcast, right? Probably not. Sometimes I sit down in front of the microphone because I'm hoping that people are going to be like, whoa, that was awesome. I never thought about that before. That's great. Sometimes I will put forth an idea thinking, oh, like when we were working on the tabernacle. I think that whole thing of the perpetual parentheses, I thought that was amazing. Uh, so I, I was motivated, but there was a motivation that kind of thought, oh, I was, I'm going to get all kinds of emails. People are going to think that was amazing. People are going to be like, ooh, ah, and nobody really cared. So then I'm kind of like, well, that, you see, my motivation was wrong. Sometimes I broadcast and then, you know what I want to do? I want to go look at the statistics and say, okay, are we still in the top 5%? How, how many, how many per ep? And, and I'll start digging and digging and digging into the uh, statistics. Sometimes I'll dig just enough to get motivated, but that, that's not the right motivation, right? Because now I'm doing it for numbers and for downloads and for streams. Sometimes I will dig further down into these statistics and then get discouraged and say, what am I doing? This is a waste of time. This is ridiculous. Motivations are complicated things. You've got almost an entire year to look back over. What motivated you in your Christian life? Where was your, were you lacking motivation? Why? I'll end with this because I just thought about it. Wherefore? Seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin with us which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sometimes we got to get rid of the things that are demotivating us, the things that are actually dragging us down. And then look what we do. We look to that which should motivate us. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We're motivated because Someone else is going to finish this, not us. All right. You can let me know what you think. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. All right. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.